At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hey, yo, and welcome to the show. If you're returning, thank you. And if you're a first-timer, I appreciate you taking the time to come and check out the show. But before we get into this awesome interview I have for you guys today, as usual, of course, uh, we got to run through the front of house stuff. But again, I'm trying to do this as fast as possible for you guys. So let's do it. Let's run through it. Let's go. If you guys don't mind reviewing the show or leaving a five-star review, I definitely appreciate it. Helps the show to grow. If you guys don't mind sharing it with a friend, that is also another way that will drastically help the show grow, and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, If you guys want updates on anything going on with the show, uh, come and follow on social media. If you guys want to pop in and have some awesome conversations with some awesome people, you can uh, bounce onto the Telegram or the Discord. Uh, If anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, uh, anything weird. I mean, if you're just into these deep topics and you want to you want to have a deep conversation, I'd love to hear from you guys. So don't hesitate and uh, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, you can also hit me up on social media. That's another way to uh, get a hold of me. Uh, if you guys aren't checking out Bizarre Encounters, uh, there's a lot of awesome stuff going on over there. Uh, a lot of new stuff that we're adding. So uh, do yourself a favor and go check it out. And if you want to support the show, uh, you can always hop on the Patreon. There you will get early access. You'll get live access to episodes. Um, a bunch of new stuff. Um, I'm always bouncing around on that, trying to kind of figure out exactly how I'm going to work the Patreon. So uh, yeah, just check it out over there. Let me know what you guys like. Let me know what you guys don't like. Let me know what you guys think I should add or shouldn't add. Any of it. I want your guys' opinions on it because I want to hear from you guys. So don't hesitate. Again, shoot me a message on that one too. Um, if you guys want to donate in a different way, you can always do that through Red Circle, which is the RSS host. You can also donate on Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. Uh, all of that goes towards the show and hopefully upgrading equipment. Um, I need to get hopefully a new laptop at some point here because this one just uh, isn't doesn't have enough memory capacity. So that's the next project that I'm building up to do. So anything you guys can do to support the show, greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also get yourself some awesome merch from the Open Minds Media Merch Store. There you'll find merch for all of the fantastic shows that I do. Uh, if you want to get yourself some awesome cryptid, paranormal, alien merch, uh, you guys can go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe is always killing it over there with his designs. A lot of them are cryptid base, but he does have some side variations, like I said, with the paranormal and the aliens. But uh, all the things that I've mentioned, all available under the link tree, quick and easy. So uh, go down to the show description and uh, go from there. And with that, please welcome to the show, Tyler and Ryan from uh, the Brown Brothers Haunting Hour podcast. That's a that's a little bit of a mouthful. I want to make sure I didn't mess that one up, but I almost messed it up. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Doing really, really good. How about you, Shane? 
not too too bad, man. It's uh, we had a little bit of a bounce around for a minute, and I'm glad we finally reconvened and we made this work, man. Because uh, I've been uh, looking forward to having a conversation with you guys. Awesome, yeah, we're looking forward to it too. So, uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with you guys or you know your podcast or anything that you guys do, uh, why don't you kind of give them a brief idea about you know what you do and what got you into the things that you do? Yeah, um, I can take this right. Um, Sounds good. As far as the podcast goes itself, I think like many of the newer podcasts, it came out during COVID. So Ryan and I had way more free time on our hands than we had previously. And we always had this idea of making a podcast that wasn't oriented towards horror and history, but more like Ryan and my own ideas and concepts regarding horror. So we actually had the time of day during COVID and it kind of just, I don't want to say it blew up, but it did very well. Um, we went through a couple of different studios where we were at originally at one of our friend's house. And then we went to our mother's basement, uh, ironically, and now we're in the new studio. Um, but it just all stemmed from the love that Ryan and I have for the horror genre. So, uh, what, what started off with, um, I know you guys said you do some paranormal, uh, research too. Uh, what kind of like fanned into that? Was it that you guys were just like really into horror in general? And then it kind of expanded into just wanting to kind of see it in real life for yourself. Yeah, I think so. We've always been, ever since growing up, our mom kind of pushed horror onto us like at a really, really early age, whether that have been, God, seeing Jaws for the first time or just, you know, like local legends. We're both from New England, so we have a ton of, uh, we have a ton of like local legends up near our section, like the Salem Witch Trials, just for, for one of them. Um, but I mean, stemming from that, then we kind of just fell in love with, God, horror, horror stories like Stephen King. We're both huge Stephen King fans. Um, and then God, I don't want to say it's because of ghost adventures, the TV show from travel channel, but that kind of <laughs> really, really sparked our interest in just like paranormal research itself. So then we were, God, we were part of a paranormal investigating team for maybe like seven years or so. Um, got to travel to a bunch of cool locations, um, and kind of just learn about it as we went, um, and had, got a, a fair few of uh, crazy shit happened to us regarding uh, spirits and um, all that good stuff that comes with paranormal investigating. Did you guys um, like document stuff and like start like a YouTube channel or anything like that before you guys started your podcast when you guys were paranormal investigating or did you guys just kind of keep everything for yourself and then decided you kind of needed a means to kind of vent it all out? We did uh we did Instagram for our, our investigating days. Um, we never did, took the YouTube route for that, but um, I think the YouTube or the Instagram channel is ironically still up as it gets got to be somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So we called ourselves, it was us and a couple buddies, uh, the new England paranormal investigators. And we did, a, we did, a, we did a ton of locations. Yeah. We did a decent amount of locations stemming from Fort Knox up in, um, the prospect Maine. prospect yeah. Na uh, Maine. And then we've, we've gone as far South as, um, the central and Southern parts of Connecticut. So we kind of stay in new England as our name suggests. Um, but we always thought that because New England is the oldest, oldest, uh, air quotes here, part of the U S where the colonists came over, this has the most history. So that's kind of where we should stay. What, uh, what, what do you guys feel is the most interesting place that you guys have checked out personally? I mean, even if it's not necessarily the most haunted, like what's, what's the most fascinating place that, uh, you guys have, have checked out yourselves? Me personally, it's definitely Fort Knox up in Prospect, Maine. I had the the most insane, one of the most insane things happen to me in my entire life. I got 
I'm not going to say I got yanked across the room, but I got pulled by something that you couldn't see. You couldn't really feel or anything like that. I got yanked and it, it like pulled my arm so hard that I had to take like four or five steps forward. Um, was there a lead so up to what, that or is it just like um, you guys were investigating and it randomly happened or were you guys trying to uh, like make contact first? We weren't really even trying to make contact at all. We, it was probably a group of five or six of us inside one of the old, um, cannon rooms where they kept the cannons, um, that guarded the, um, Penobscot river. Uh, so the, the fort was built to keep the British from coming up into Canada. Um, and we were in one of the rooms where they just kept all the cannons and like we were talking and stuff. We had K2 meters going in an SB7 spirit box, but it was at a time where nobody was really calling out to anything. When I had my armo just holding a K2 meter and that just can tell um, electromagnetic fields and if a spirit or the electromagnetic frequency, um, if it's actually present in the room. And I just had my arm yanked so hard forward. And I thought it was one of my friends at first, or like even Tyler pulling a not funny prank on me. And then I turned my flashlight on and there was literally nobody around me in the room. Did you guys do any kind of like, uh, like research into the area specifically to figure out like who this ghost may have been, or if there was like a specific angry spirit that may have done it? So we know in Fort Knox that people have died on the grounds. We didn't know specifically who that might have been in that uh, certain scenario with Ryan. Um, but we do know that there have been deaths on the ground. So that lends some credibility, some credibility to what happened. But you could literally see his hand get pulled. That's how insane it was, was that it was something where if you grab like your buddy and you pull his hand, if you just take yourself out of the equation, that's what happened to him. Did it give you that uh, that vibe of it was trying to get you to leave, or do you think it was actually trying to like hurt hurt you? I think it just wanted me to know it was there, and it was like that weird feeling. I, I can remember like it was yesterday. It was like that weird feeling of when somebody comes close to you, you know, like even if they're standing behind you, you know they're there because it's like kind of warm and you can feel the energy that somebody's giving off. And then I felt it come all over my hand and up to like my elbow. And it was that static electricity charge that everybody always talks about. The hair on the, my arm started to stand up. And then I actually felt like fingers grab my arm and yank me forward. I guess this is a, a little bit of a loaded question, but I always like to dig into theories on things. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll throw my opinion in last because I want to hear what your guys' opinions are. Um, as far as like the paranormal goes, uh, like how do you guys like rationalize it in your mind? Like, Do you think that it's like like a time slip? Do you think that it's actual spirits of people that are left here? Do you think it's uh, like a residual thing? Do you think it's like an interdimensional thing? Just kind of, you know, trying to throw some ideas out there. But uh, like, what, what's your guys kind of understanding of the paranormal? Not that, you know, anybody knows for sure, but we can always make up theories. <laughs> I think Ryan and I are very similar with our ideas as to what happens after you die. Um, we think that there are two different specific types of hauntings, residual and intelligent. Personally, what happened with Ryan, I think, was intelligent. We can get his opinion on that, too. Um, but as far as what, what happens when you go, we were both raised in the Catholic faith. We went to Catholic Christian um, private schools for, what, all the way up to eighth grade. Yeah, you went, well, I guess your high school was also. Catholic. I went to a private uh, Catholic school for high school. He went to a public school. But um, I, I don't think either of us really believe in this single supreme being, that big, capital G God regarding Judaism and Catholicism. I think personally, when you die, there's this 
And I hate the word spirit realm because it just, it just like brings up the image of the crazy cat lady. But there's so many hard words. Like you can't use any good words for it. Cause you could call it like no. a different dimension. You could call it like another realm, another plane. Like no matter what way you word it, it comes off like woo woo to people that aren't already like into the concept. <laughs> right. Right. Cause there's no hard evidence on that. So there's going to be skeptics about that. Um, but just opinion wise, I think there is this other, again, dimension realm, whatever it is that we just can't actually perceive via our living senses. But I think that's where your spirit goes after you go. And in that realm, I don't think there are demons or angels or anything. I think there are your positive and negative spirits, just like you have in real life, where it's not really black and white, but there can be some gray area too. So I think that is what, for example, what happened with Ryan when he got pulled, that was, I think, an intelligent haunt where something wanted to show him that it was there and that it could actually corporeal, tangibly touch him. So uh, going into some residual haunting stuff, because you guys brought up the positive and the negative aspect of it. And this is something that I've been kind of digging into lately, just out of curiosity. So, um, you know, when there's like hauntings at like saloons, things like that, um, you won't necessarily hear anything like negative. Sometimes you'll hear like saloon music playing or you'll hear like people having a good time off in the background. Uh, so, you know, it kind of gets me into this whole concept of like residual hauntings that, you know, something happens in a location that's so dramatic that, you know, it kind of imprints through time where you can see it forever, essentially, just repeating in that same spot. And of course, for people that aren't familiar with that, those are those hauntings where they don't interact with you. They're almost like on a re replay loop. Uh, so from your guys' experience, though, when I was bringing up the saloon music, I've been questioning whether or not if something happens in a, in a specific location, it doesn't necessarily have to be negative and it still may be able to make an imprint. Like, you know, with the saloon music, it's a bunch of people having a good time and it's dramatic in the aspect of it being like a positive thing that everybody's just hanging out and enjoying each other's company. So just from your guys' experience, have you almost seen any like positive residual hauntings? Cause I've been asking a lot of people this lately just cause it's a concept I've been pretty curious about. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I don't think we've experienced anything really positive, but we all we're, we're big believers that it doesn't really, it doesn't have to be a negative experience for it to imprint on a certain location. Um, so when you talk about the stone tape theory, uh, if nobody knows what that is, that is a theory that like pores of rock or grains of wood can actually entrap certain types of energy um, that we're giving off every single day of our lives. We just can't see it. Um, and we, we're, we're firm believers that it could be a really, really positive thing or a really, really negative thing that can ingrain onto these certain services. Um, so for example, there's, there's this one location that's near to us. It's called Barra Hawk and it's located in Connecticut. Um, and it's this old Welsh village. It's one of like the first ones settled around this area from guys early as the 1500s. So it's even, it predates like, like the Salem witch trials up in this section of new England, but we've experienced things up there where you can actually hear a carriage driving down one of the paths and, that be, like that being said, that's not really a negative thing or almost not even a positive thing. It's just something that's replaying all the time. Um, and we believe that with certain God, whether it's barometric pressure, the right humidity, the right temperature, if you have all of those certain things hitting at the right moment, we think that is when you're able to experience these types of paranormal uh, events. 
it almost kind of makes me think of like a like a rut or something. Like uh, you know, you hear stories about somebody's grandfather passing away, and he used to do the same thing every day, where he'd walk and he'd go and eat his breakfast, and then he'd walk up the stairs, hang out, and then come back, and he'd do that every day for like twenty years, twenty years or whatever, or thirty years, fifty years, whatever. Um, when it comes to like that carriage, for example, you know that could have been a path that they regularly drove every single day, where it kind of bouncing into that residual haunting is not necessarily being negative or positive. Um, it almost makes you wonder if if something happens so many times in a specific location that it almost creates like a rut in time where because of it being rutted, like other people can see it continuously through time. Yeah, I think as far as things like intelligent and things like residual haunts go, 99% of the time a negative experience with a spirit is going to be intelligent. It is never going to be residual. And I think residual haunts, that's when you can do things like hear certain music. That's when you can smell different smells. Um, that's when you can see things that aren't necessarily trying to in any way hurt you. See, bouncing back in even just like the, uh, like or the conscious hauntings, or however you want to word them too. Um, even if that wasn't necessarily somebody trying to do something negative, just because of the aspect of you know, it being something that we don't have a full understanding of, even if it's like your grandma that's trying to just put her hand on your shoulder to get your attention, just because you don't have an understanding of what's touching you and what's happening. I feel like even if it's something positive, like if there was like an ancestor, like a family member coming back to like give you a message, no matter what way it happens, you're still going to interpret it with fear because you don't have an understanding of what's happening. So it almost kind of like throws out the idea of it being positive or negative because there's not really even a way to tell because you can't communicate with them directly to even necessarily like know what their intentions are because you know even when you go into like a haunting of like a little girl in a house or something like that you know her trying to play with you is going to come off creepy and scare scare the hell out of anybody but you know coming from like her aspect she may not see herself as like this ghostly scary figure she may just be like an actual little girl trying to like play with somebody because she's been lonely forever and you're interpreting it as like negative like this this little girl's trying to scare me when you know that may not be the case at all she just may be trying to communicate with you the best way that she possibly can and no matter what way it comes out it's still going to come out creepy coming from another dimension or another plane or another realm however you want to word it <laughs> yeah it was uh hp lovecraft said the oldest uh emotion of man is fear and the most like prevalent type of fear is fear of the unknown um and it's in those exact situations where you don't know what you were dealing with and that's why it's scary it's most like the analogy like people are scared of the thing in their closet because they automatically think of like the scariest thing in their head the other problem too is that humans in general uh we try to create images with our brain so like we'll take like throw a bunch of rice on the ground and the way your brain works you're going to try to create images with that so just right. out of that like you're in the dark uh, you don't have an understanding of what you're actually looking at. Um, your brain's going to try to rationalize it in a different way, and it's going to create pictures of things, and that's going to instill just fear in general and throw a whole bias on any type of like paranormal investigation off of that also. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. And then you can think of, God, like sometimes if you want to... I know Tyler's not a huge fan of anything regarding the Catholic faith, but sometimes demonic entities like to... Uh, morph themselves or uh, project themselves as something that's not really dangerous, such as like a little girl or like a doll. It can uh, show itself like, oh, this thing is not actually dangerous, but 
behind, like if you pull back that curtain, it's actually something extremely dangerous. When you uh, use use the terminology like demon or like demonic, uh, coming from somebody that may not necessarily be looking at it from a biblical aspect, like do you see them as like the biblical like idea of like what a demon is, or do you see it as it's just um, some type of like stronger uh, spirit or being from another place, but it's not like demons as people would necessarily like think of it as? Uh, yeah. So on like the past, God, we've been on the past three episodes here for our podcast, we've been dealing with uh, like demonic entities, gateways to hell, hellhounds, those types of things. And we've gone into many, many uh, discussions here about what actually is a demon. Um, and Tyler has, Tyler has some great points. I, I'm much more, I'm not really hardcore Catholic at all, but I do have some type of viewpoints that fall under Catholicism. Tyler doesn't believe in it at all, but he has some great ideas about like what makes a, a spirit, essentially negative or bad if you want to use that term yeah i i personally believe that when someone sees or thinks they see a demon i don't think it is the demon with the split feet hooves and like the uh, horns and crazy tail and however you want to perceive the devil and demons um i think people throw the word demon around because again we don't know really what the negative thing is that we're interacting with. But I believe that if someone gets scratched, for example, it is not from a demon, even if it is a, uh, um, like a three line scratch, which is in essence, the mocking of the Trinity. That's what people associate it with. I think it's just a negative spirit that has crossed over and they were a negative person in real life, whether that be a, a person that has done bad things, for example, murdering someone, um, or whether that's just a person that was a really negative person in their time of living. So what I think happens when you pass over it, it, in essence, it personifies all the traits that are in you. So if you're a relatively good person, you're going to be a relatively good spirit in association. If you're a relatively negative person, you're going to be a negative spirit. So it's a weird analogy, but if you've ever seen the, the like 2014 Captain America with Chris Evans, mm-hmm. the serum, they... I'm sure you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the serum they use it, it, it. In essence, it shows you more of what you what you have inside of you. So Captain America was good. He became better. He became greater. Redface, who was the villain, was evil. He became more evil. And I think that's something that happens when you cross over. I mean, even just the whole kind of concept of demons in general has been so misconstrued through the years that it's kind of hard to tell where like the basis of information is because even like what people perceive as like a demon, like kind of like what you were explaining, um, it's more so like a, like a figure that we've adapted to kind of see that way over time. And it comes from the aspect of like, you know, if you're looking at it from like a biblical perspective, like the demon, so to speak, would have been the fallen angels. So they wouldn't have been like the demons, like we perceive them as, um, but you know, with the whole Christianity taking over the world, religion at that time uh it was a lot of demonizing a lot of like pagan beliefs so a lot of like the ideas of like what a demon looked like come from like pan for example and like krampus and just different types of beings like that through through paganism because it was just like another way of also making like paganism look bad and because of that it's kind of like i'm sure that there there's like a basis of it that there is some type of like being that is from this plane, from whatever you want to call it, that's a stronger negative power. Um, 
maybe not necessarily human, maybe something else, but just because of how many people have like put their two cents in through the years, trying to define it specifically to fit different religious beliefs. Um, it's kind of gotten misconstrued because you kind of see the archetype through a bunch of different things. Like you have like the djinn, for example, um, you have the demons, um, even going into like native American lore, you have things like Wendigo or like, like skinwalkers, which I feel like would almost be kind of like perceived as like their demons where it's more of like a, like an archetype than like a specific title for one specific entity, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And we were actually talking about it. I think it was two episodes ago when you have something like that, that crosses different religions and different beliefs, we feel like there's some grain of truth in there or else we all wouldn't be talking about the same type of entity. Um, Even though they have different names, maybe it all stems from the same place and maybe these things are actually out there. I mean, they all seem to somewhat link to fire in some way, shape or form. Um, I almost wonder if it's an aspect of like a fear of like fire that maybe it kind of dates back to, you know, prehistoric man where we saw fire as that thing that it's like it's around, but you don't touch it. So we started associating demons with and fire with de- or you know demons with fire just because it's something that can be extremely powerful, but it'll hurt you, of course, in the process. So maybe that's kind of where where part of like the association came in is that it all branched from us looking at fire as being something that would hurt us, and then all of this different folklore and expansions came from fire. And I mean, even bouncing back into that too, if you want to go into some other uh, Native American type lore, just different lore in general, um, elementals, like fire elementals specifically, um, assumably would kind of live up to the name of the element with having like a fiery attitude, of course, too. Um, Maybe like that also kind of threw into the idea of demons is the whole like fire elemental concept too. Yeah, maybe Catholicism just adopted that as, as you know, Christianity was, was sweeping the world. Maybe they adopted that idea that fire is negative and we should, we should coincide these demons with fire and Satan with like the underworld that is always burning. And it's kind of weird too that it seems like a lot of things, they don't inherently come off as like evil right off the bat because you look at it from like the biblical standpoint and you know, there's Lucifer. He wasn't always like the fallen angel. You know, he was, you know, one of the angels, he was an archangel. Um, you go into, um, like, um, like the gin, for example, like they supposedly have choice where they can be good or bad depending on the experiences that happen with them. So, it's kind of, it's one of those things that we look at demons in general or like these dark spirits, like they're all bad. But if you bring it back to like the very beginning of it, they aren't necessarily bad, but it's one of those things that I feel like if you perceive something as bad long enough, if it is something that exists, it's eventually going to live up to the title that you're giving it. Absolutely. I agree with that. Tyler made a good point the other day. He was like, who's the person who subjects like what, what is bad and what is good. And when has that, when that timeline like changed over kind of, you know what I mean? Um, and like we all talk about Lucifer and how Lucifer was, is like the devil, but he was one of like, he was God's best in the Bible. He was like the one he trusted most, but then he didn't bow to man. God saw that as he was going to be corrupted. So then he cast him out. I mean, kind of the same with the gin in an extent too, because from a lot of like the folklore stories that I've heard, and I feel like the closest thing you can really relate to demons that are that's pretty close as far as a lot of the folklore is gin, and um, they weren't 
bad, but once humans started trying to like trap them and that's where you kind of have like the genie concept and all of that, that's when they started kind of like throwing back at everybody. And it kind of seems like if you really look at it from like a broader standpoint, it's kind of the same with, uh, with like the biblical aspect that humans were seeing themselves as like the number one and the other being that was more powerful in a different aspect was like, nah, like why, why, why do you guys think you're better than us? Well, and that's where kind of like the anger comes from. And uh, maybe that's kind of like where the branch starts at is that yeah, we maybe just demonized them. <laughs> yeah, maybe humanity was that like inevitable straw that broke the camel's back. And we were the one who pushed them too far, which caused them to turn out to be evil. In fact. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I always love digging into the theories, but I, considering you guys are paranormal investigators, I'd love to get some more of your guys' stories. Um, I know that you shared that last one. I'd love to hear, uh, hear, hear, uh, one of your guys' other stories too. Yeah. Ty, Ty has a couple of, remember that the thing that happened to you at Bar Hawk, the, um, you saw the red eyes, literally a creature behind a tree. Yeah. Um, oh my insane. Yeah. That was, that was a rough night. That was a night where I don't like to to, to go visit it very frequently in my memories, but, um, it was the same location we were just discussing a little while ago. And uh, it was only myself, my brother, and one of our other friends, uh, who were investigating and the location itself, there are foundations of a village. There's a, I'd say a half mile, quarter mile walk. And then you get to a, uh, a cemetery because back then with that religion, that faith, they did not really believe in burying someone next to their village and their, their houses. Um, so we were actually walking between the foundation itself and the, and the uh, cemetery. And there's a small fork in the, the, the path, the footpath. And I was leading. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw behind a very large uh, pine tree, a shape, some dark shape. And it was dark out, but I saw definitively a darker mass behind that tree. When I actually took my eyes and looked at that mass, I saw two very slanted. I I want to say they're eye, they were eyes. They were very like almost snake like, or yeah, they were as far as pupils go. They were very slanted. Okay. Um, and I want to say they're eyes because I saw no other features on whatever it was, but they were in the position where a human would associate eyes with a bipedal thing. And when I looked and saw it, it immediately went behind the tree almost like we were playing a game of hide and seek. I remember that to this day. I dropped, <laughs> I literally dropped my flashlight. Um, I grabbed onto whoever was behind me and I couldn't even speak. They were asking me what I saw. Yeah. I never, I've never seen Tyler get freaked out like that in probably 29 years, but he, he was like on the verge of, of screaming. Yeah. It was, if it was, it was so scary where I could not scream. And that has not happened to me a lot in my life where something was that scary where it, stemmed a scream from my lips unless he sees a spider that guy he's like crazy <laughs> crazy arachnophobic if there's a spider near me i i get scared i don't scream smash um, yeah exactly actually i kind of i walk out of the room <laughs> i don't even touch him but i i don't know what it was i don't think it was this proverbial demon from the catholic faith or like judaism um i don't really think it was an elemental but i think more along the lines it was something in life that was so negative that in the afterlife, it somehow had the ability or the power to create something aesthetically where it knew it would scare me that much. I don't know why it did it. We go back to this crazy analogy of we, maybe 
spirits like in Monsters, Inc. need our fear and our essence in order to keep thriving, which is very strange, but Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it did it. And that's why I saw it. But that was one of, if not the most uh, profound and and one of the scariest experiences I've had via an investigation. Have you guys uh, dug into like shadow people? Because it seems very shadow people-esque. And I was going to ask also, was it like a, like a translucent mask too? Because that also would kind of fit the whole thing with shadow people where it's like a, like a shadow that's darker than dark. And it's, a hard thing to explain unless you've seen it before yourself. And with the red eyes specifically, it seemed very shadow person. Yeah, yes. Was, was you wearing a hat? Uh, no, no hat. No, it wasn't like, um, uh, I think people see that a lot too with um, sleep paralysis and shadow people. That goes hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. There's like five or six different uh, common variations of shadow people that people seem to uh, talk about frequently. There's like, you know, yes. the standard, the uh glowing eyes ones more often than not they always seem to be red i've seen a green one one with green eyes myself uh there's that the hat man uh there's like the crawlers um i think there's a couple other ones but i'm i'm losing them off the top of my mind but there's i think they're called like the wisps but they're the ones that you'll see like the shadow in the corner of your eye and it'll move and it'll yep. try to stay away from your line of sight and you'll only be able to catch them with your peripherals yes yep. yeah that's one that um i've done a lot of research on it just because i've been so I've always been so fascinated regarding evolution and human vision for some reason. That's always been very like a hot topic in my head. And I'm sure everyone knows this, but peripheral wise, you can see so much more accurately than you can see directly just because you have specific rods and cones in your eyes that can catch these different movements. And that's just an an evolutionary trait that we developed via what the prehistoric era when we made sure we saw things out of the corner of our eyes coming after us. So that's why I, I believe in shadow people so much. And that's why, I don't know if that's why I saw it or if it was just because I was the one in front. Right. That's what, what's uh, confusing to me. And what I love about like this topic is the fact that we mentioned it earlier, but it's, it's blacker than black. And it's hard. It, you, you mentioned it, Shane. It's hard to explain, but it's like, it's almost that it has so much mass to it. It, there's like a, a little bit of a rift between like the person and the background. So, you know, physically there is something there. You just don't know what it is. And each one of these shadow shadow people that Shane mentions, I, I think there's a lot of credibility that each one is freaking terrifying. Um, and I, I firmly believe that those are some type of eternal beings. Like those are, those have always been either in the universe or always attracted to earth because of mankind just to uh throw in a little little extra snippet there before it gets too far off um when you're talking about viewing out of the side of your eyes uh coming from a stargazer they also say that if you're trying to let your eyes adjust and you really want to be able to see the stars you have to do this trick where you learn to look through the side of your eye to be able to see the stars so i just want to throw that in there for listeners because it's a little fun piece of uh information but getting super easy to see like meteors or any type of meteor shower that way yep yep that was the other part of it too and uh, going back into the, the whole shadow people concept, um, you know, we were talking about it a little bit earlier with the whole like demon concept and just having these like beings around us that we don't have an understanding of. So we create these like scary stories of them. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of rang in my head if theoretically shadow people have been around forever, maybe that's what we've been interpreting as demons through multiple different uh, religions, uh, cultural point of views. And they're one of those things where it kind of falls into that category. Like I said before, where it's not necessarily like negative or positive because of course there's like the, the negative shadow people encounters, um, which seem to be like the, the man with the hat 
or the red-eyed ones, but more often than not, when you have like the wisps, for example, they just kind of will stay off in the distance and kind of watch. Uh, the like standard shadow people. Um, I've even heard of experiences where they'll like wake people up, and then something will like happen in their house, almost like they were like warning them of something that was coming. And uh, just to kind of throw in a, a concept of like what I kind of believe shadow people are, um, I talk about on the show. semi-frequently I'd say, but I uh, throw this idea about this realm called the void where there's nothing there but like darkness and maybe things don't necessarily exist in the same way that we expect that they do as far as like being like a solid physical mass. Maybe there's more like gastrous consciousness that just lives within this dark voided realm. And when they're able to come into our realm, uh, the best way they can try to camouflage themselves is by trying to take the shape of something familiar to you, which would be them assumably trying to take the shape of a person, even with like the hat, things like that. And then the other way you could look at it too is that maybe they're coming from a realm where our eyes aren't able to pick up whatever light spectrum that they're putting off. So maybe they are full in-depth creatures and these are four different, six different, whatever they are for shadow people, different types of creatures, but we're grouping them all as the same thing because they're coming from the same place and whatever things come from that place, our eyes aren't able to pick up whatever light frequency they're putting off. So they just come across as like a dark shadowy mass. That's fascinating. And I, I kind of love that concept that, that there's this actual void, this realm where these things exist in like a conscious form, but they're something like we don't understand or they they take a different form from what we're actually used to. I think that's fascinating. I mean, even the void itself could be what people could interpret as like hell or like purgatory too. Cause if it's just like a realm of just, I don't want to say like no solid mass, it's just like a, like a gaster's realm with just consciousness that lives within it. It almost sounds like, like a hell to a certain extent. Maybe that's why they try to come into this realm to try to get out of it. And I don't know if you start connecting it that way, you could almost look at it very demon like going into that conversation we had earlier where they're just trying to fight to get out of the realm that they're trapped in because it's not the place to be, you know? I think the big difference between that though and our our idea of hell is that a demon is in in essence from like the faiths that we were mentioning. Um it's not something from a different plane, but it's something from Lucifer. Right. Who was a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. This is something alien. And that's something that I 100% can get behind. Hmm. Speaking of aliens slash paranormal kind of mixing, uh, I haven't gotten to talk about it too, too much on the show, but uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on it. Uh, When it comes to black-eyed children, I've heard different aspects of it where it could theoretically be something paranormal. Um, It could be something linked to maybe shadow people. I've heard some like very vague theories on that one. Um, For me personally... I hear a lot of things where they're linked to the men in black. And as far as their way of acting, the things that they do, uh, they almost seem like young men in black esque, but, uh, coming from like your guys' perspective and your guys' research, like w- w- what's your guys' interpretation of, uh, the black eyed children? Yeah, we actually just did a, a relatively recent episode on the black eyed children and the black eyed kids. And I think we both, uh, ha- are in agreement as to our conclusion. And we think they are, agents of the men in black oh you're with me then <laughs> yes 100 percent. from what we've concluded um I, I can speak for both of us and i think they are 100 percent somehow associated with these men in black people and tyler said during that episode he said that um still remember it he said like the men in black maybe there's some reason they cannot physically get into our homes and they have to send 
something inconspicuous, such as like a child to try to get in because they're the ones who are able to break that threshold. Then that kind of almost goes into like a, like a woo woo ask to it where you have to be invited into the house. It sounds like very like classical vampire or, um, I don't know, just some type of like classic folklore. But when it comes to like the men in black, personally, they almost seem like they're more so linked to something that might be like interdimensional, possibly. I mean, there's there's multiple variations of the men in black, of course. There's, you know, like the actual agent men in black that are trying to cover up a situation. There's the weird alien men in black where they don't know how to use objects and people like offer them food and they don't really understand how they work. And then there's just the like all out weird experiences where I think it's honestly just people messing with other people, but (laughs) yeah. And I, I think the black eyed kids was one topic that me and Tyler are actually like terrified of because it's the fact that it can happen at any, like any moment in time. And you have zero control of when it happens. You could be like, you could have the worst day ever and you're going to grab a glass of water in the middle of the night or something and you're trying to go back to bed and you could get a knock on your door and there could be two little kids standing like in your doorway. And we think that is so freaking terrifying. I mean, considering you guys dug into it recently, what's like the most terrifying case that you guys found that you feel is very tangible evidence as far as the black eyed children go? Uh, so I don't, I don't know if it's black eyed kids, but it's the same umbrella as these men in black and these black eyed kids. Um, have you heard of Ingrid cold? I don't, I may have, I'm not hundred percent sure. So so in essence, um, it is, or he is what's known as the smiling man. So he acts very similar to the men in black or the black eyed kids where he is aesthetically, he looks like a human until you get close to him. And then you you realize that features on him are not what you would kind of associate as to a, a, a proper human. So he simply does not stop smiling. He's in a black suit, just like the men in black. Um, he's not trying to get into anything, but he's trying to get information. And I think this happened back in the seventies, three different occurrences um, in one of the States between uh, you and I. So uh, we're in, like we said, we're in Connecticut and Shane's in Michigan, but it was a state that's on the Eastern part of the U S and there were three different occurrences of Ingrid Cold. So I think that is, number one, it speaks volumes as to there are definitely things out there like the Men in Black and Black Eyed Kids. But number two, just how scary that can be. Um, if you guys who are listening, and same with you, Shane, if you haven't seen the, the new movie Smile that came out last year, it paints a great picture as to how scary a smile can be. And I think people who experience Ingrid Cold <laughs> are were as as scared as we were when we saw the movie yeah (laughs) dude i can't like people people don't give credit to that because like it's so much creepier even going into like dolls and different things like that like if it just had like a straight look on its face versus a smile because a smile is just it's one of those things that i feel like it messes with you psychologically because it's not something that's inherently frightening but it's just the mannerism in which it's done And that's when you kind of get into this like residual fear of things where it almost seems like particularly with that, it may fall into like the uncanny valley aspect of like, you're scared of it because it's very human-like, but you know that it's not human-like because it's not acting right, you know? And that's what, that's what freaks you out the most about it is that it's trying to be, looks positive, but you know, its intentions aren't. That's precisely what I was just going to say is I think that whatever it was, was thinking, Hey, a smile gets people's guard down. If you smile at someone, you're not going to put your hands up or run away from them. 
this thing just didn't stop smiling and that's what set people off yeah i feel like there's a point that it hits where you're like okay this has got to fucking stop right now or else i'm gonna run in the other direction and one of the accounts said that the man ingrid cold kept smiling while he was talking that is freaking terrifying and that's when he realized that this thing was either interdimensional or a monster (laughs) i mean getting into interdimensional stuff i don't know if you guys uh get into the whole concept of like uh theoretical like simula- simulated universe but going into like the men in black thing cryptids paranormals anything like that i uh always like to throw out this theory that if we are living in some type of like simulation or organic simulation view it this way if you are going to play a video game you select your skin you select your character you go in you do your thing and then you get pulled back out and then boom it's you know you're done with your game if we are in some type of organic simulation that would mean that there's something outside of it that created it that would theoretically be able to go inside the same way that we'd be able to go into like the metaverse, for example. So I often wonder if a lot of these weird experiences are all the same exact thing. It's just using different skins and like essentially just having fun playing a game. <laughs> God, that's true. Oh man. Um, I, there's a, a Stephen King story called under the dome. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening have heard of it. Because it was also on um, NBC or yeah, it was NBC. Yeah, NBC. Yeah, there was a series, uh, limited series, three or four seasons. Um, but the whole concept was we were all pretty much in a terrarium, and at the end of the show and the book, this al- this giant alien creature shows up, and it's actually a kid, and the kid's m- mother and father gave them the terrarium with all of us humans in it as a toy. Wow. You want to talk about some other weird stuff that kind of plays into that whole theory, too. Um, So I actually just got off a show not too long ago with uh, Justin from Cryptids of the Corn, and uh, he used to work for, um, I don't remember exactly, I forgot what his exact position was, but he used to do like like research for like wildlife, things like that. And he would talk about how they would take this uh, glowing liquid and pretty much put it on like a, like a needle and put it into a fish, and it would make it so that they could check the fish later on to see if it's a fish that they picked up before. And so he was getting into this aspect of how there's UFO researchers that will use the same type of like technology to be able to, uh, well, not technology, but just like a certain type of light or something like that, that'll pick up on stuff that glows in people's skin that have been abducted, probed, or like had items put in them from like UFO type of concepts. So, um, you know, if we're doing the same thing to fish as what aliens are theoretically doing to us, I mean, you could be looking at it from the organic simulation aspect, but you could even look at it as the terrarium concept, kind of like how you mentioned that we're just like the one of the best zoos in the universe, theoretically, because none of us realize that we're in a zoo and they're just coming and checking up on us like we do wildlife here and there. <laughs> and that's what all the alien abductions and probing and stuff is. It's not necessarily a negative intent. It's uh, picking, checking up on the animals because, you know, coming from that other perspective, you pick up that fish out of the out of the river and put that needle in the side of it. It doesn't know what your intentions are. It's just horrified. And then you throw it back in the water. No different from uh, alien abductions. You know, they could be picking you up, tagging you, checking you, throwing you back down. You're just like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the worst part of that is that fish don't really have a higher conscience and we do. <laughs> so there's a whole a whole mess of morals that go with that. Um, but again, whatever is doing these abductions to us may not have the same morals as we do because they are not from our world. They were not Grow, they did not grow up or evolved with us. Right, yeah. And then some. most of the time when you hear about alien abductions, people don't technically remember it. Um, so maybe they have some type of technology or s- some something to allow them to wipe our memory from that moment 
um, until like the, the best theories until you go under like hypnosis and then you start to remember everything. Um, but maybe they actually have that type of technology and they are indeed just checking up on the zoo. I mean, it may not even be necessarily like a moral thing, but it may even be like the aspect of, you know, you see an ant, for example, or like a bug and, you know, you'll pick it up, you'll mess with it, you'll smash it, do whatever. And it's irrelevant to you because you see it as a way lesser life form. And from our perspective, we're the most advanced life form, but universally speaking, you know, to these other life forms, we could essentially be the equivalent of like an ant or just like a throwaway thing that's irrelevant. And it's not even about a moral code. It's just that we're on a totally different basis of understanding of things than they are. And we see ourselves as something important and they could see it as like, oh, we're just those little primitive ape-like things that live off on that planet in the distance that we just watch because they're entertaining because they blow each other up for fun. And I think that's where the true fear lies with everybody in aliens. They all like people are truly scared of the idea that there is something out there so much more powerful than us that could in fact, like end us anytime they wanted to. I mean, even going into the broader aspect of stuff, we could be looking at extraterrestrials the wrong way. Like going back into the organic simulation that it could just be things coming into our organic, sim organic simulation, but these aliens are actually something that are outside of our universe that could theoretically just smash the Petri dish one day and call it a day. <laughs> Oh God! Hope we don't see that day in our lifetime. Yeah, on that same topic, that's the Big Bang Theory. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you make of the the three or four uh, UFOs or UFAs that were shot down? I'm doing air quotes right here. Shot down the past uh, what two or three days? One was actually up towards you. Yeah, there was one over Lake Michigan. It was over by like Chicago, I believe. And then one was mm -hmm. Alaska, and then there was uh, I think one or two other ones, but. I have a couple different theories on this. This is this is going to be drawn out, I guess. But one theory is that it could just be more of these Chinese weather balloons. And, you know, it's just like the preempt to like a Cold War Part 2, where it's like a war where it's all about the technology going back and forth. And it's not actually about like boots on the ground. It's trying to just kind of like flex what technology we have versus what technology other people have and surveilling each other kind of a thing where nothing really happens. It's just that cold still. The other concept I get into is that they purposely call them UFOs because they don't want to say exactly what they are, but they're still addressing that they're there because they want to kind of do that thing where they uh, they let out a little bit of information at a time to get everybody kind of hip with what's going on, which I think they've been doing since the 50s regardless. And then the third concept is Project Bluebeam, that there's a buildup to that, and you can't just all of a sudden have this faked alien invasion that happens one day you got to like lead up to it. You got to have like a trickle effect that leads up to it before you can basically fake this on scale giant alien abduction or uh, invasion. And uh, just even adding into that, um, I saw a couple different videos of people seeing these like weird laser light looking things in the sky. And uh, I know a lot of people want to say that they're like extraterrestrial, but at least from my perspective, I see it as the government has not even just the government. Um, they make like little drones and things that can essentially like make shapes in the sky. And you know, when they're flying, you can look up pictures of these things and they'll create like video, like TV screen looking things in the sky, just out of a bunch of little drones that'll all fly in formation and look like something. Um, you know, if you're going to fake an alien invasion and do this project blue beam thing, you of course wouldn't want to just have the baby ships. You don't have the giant mothership. So maybe these lasers are testing out a future technology to be able to project and make it look like there's a giant thing floating in the sky. But my conspiratorial mind likes the Project Blue Beam, but my rational mind says Cold War Part Two, and these are all just back and forth technology with 
the Chinese and whoever whoever else is involved in the in the in the tech war, which essentially at this point I think is everybody out for themselves, everybody groups together, but realistically every country is looking out for themselves before anybody else. So, yeah, I think I saw um, those drones that you were alluding to over Dubai or over in um, one of the maybe Beijing. There was a video they did it during WrestleMania once. I don't know during uh, we're big WWE guys, but they did it during uh, when they go over to Saudi Arabia and uh, Crown Jewel. Some, yeah, something yeah. similar. So I think what you're saying is completely sound, um, and I completely agree. My rational mind says the same thing that it is just another Cold War. Uh, a who has the best technology? How can we cripple a uh, a country or a society as best as we can. Um, but I, my, you know, mythical and supernatural mind is, is wanting to more go towards like, it could potentially be beings from outside trying to see how we're doing, what we're doing. And yeah, maybe it is a preemptive, I don't know, uh, scouting mission, if you will. Yeah. Coming from us three, come on guys. There's gotta be at least a little bit of like inside of you thinking that this has got to be some type of alien being. I mean, there's like, there's like 15% of me that believes truly that's what it is. I mean, the other aspect of it too could be that, uh, maybe they are, could theoretically be aliens. And the idea is that they put them out in the open so that they become something normal so that they can do the real research and everybody else will just be like, Oh, those are UFOs. And they'll just make it a thing where they try to get rid of the mystery so that they can be out in the open about it and people aren't digging into it and then they can really dive into it. Yeah, like distracting us in one like one area and then doing something completely different in, in a place where not like our attention's focused on. Yeah, just normalizing it so that you're not thinking about it anymore. And then they can really dig deep into it after that because then they can be open about, you know, certain things. And if they take in a UFO, everybody's like, Oh, they're just taking in the UFO, but realistically they know what they're doing. They're trying to like reverse engineer it or whatever the hell they're doing with it, but they're not gonna get questioned like they're doing some whole big conspiracy now. They can be like, Hey, we're going to take apart this ship now. That's okay with everybody. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah whatever, UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> I think the weird thing is the timeline, though. I, I haven't, in my 30 years of living, ever heard as via the media in consecutive days where suspected UFOs have been shot down. Yeah. I Not since the right. 50s. <laughs> Not, yeah, right. That was 80 yeah. years ago, 70 years ago. Yeah. Who knows what the next couple weeks will bring or next month or so. Yeah. Maybe it is going to be <laughs> the mothership you were alluding to Shane. <laughs> be a this, might be the last, this might be the last episode you, you, you air and we air. <laughs> hey, if it's a government one, at least we know all we got to do is throw a rock up at it. If it goes through it, we know they're bullshitting us. <laughs> yeah. Or an EMP. Yeah, so if someone has one of those, just we'll go straight that. through it. We'll know. <laughs> it just blows a little translucent hole through it, but there's no damage that comes down from it. <laughs> So, uh, I know that you guys said that you were, you guys were interested in cryptids too. And, uh, before we start to run out of time here, cause I know you guys said that you had to go about an hour or so. Um, I'm either one curious if you guys have ever had any encrypt or if you guys have had any cryptid encounters yourselves or two in the aspect of that, you guys like digging into some local lore and local myths and local stories. Um, do you guys have any cryptids that may not be commonly known that you guys would be willing to share? Um, yeah, so for cryptids not commonly known around us, um, I'm sure anybody who's interested in the paranormal who listens to your show or our show, um, they've probably heard about the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's located in Massachusetts. I know Aaron Mankey did a huge series on it with uh, Misha Collins from Supernatural. Um, but there, there's a bunch of folklore coming from there that I think a lot of people don't know of. And 
the only time I'm not going to really call it a cryptid, but the only time I've had a experience with something like that was when I was personally driving through the Bridgewater triangle. Um, so they always talk about like, they have huge black snakes, like the, the size of stovepipes that slither through the Bridgewater triangle and different swamps and stuff. Um, but so I used to, I used to work up, uh, in Northern Cape Cod Bay. So I used to take the trip, uh, daily from Connecticut up to Northern Cape Cod area. But, and, and doing that, I would have to travel through the Bridgewater triangle. And there was one morning I was traveling through there at like 5.00 AM. It was still relatively dark out. And I saw a fucking coyote the size of like an SUV. I'm talking, this thing was, I, I, I like slammed on my brakes because I was like, I did not just actually see that. And I, I looked around and it was still standing there and ran back into the woods. And I was like, what the hell did I just witness driving through here? It's weird that you say that because I believe at one point I had a cryptid encounter and I saw a cougar before this thing happen. I, I believe that I may have had a Wendigo encounter. So that being said, I'm almost curious if you saw something that was taking the shape of an animal and that's why it was bigger than what the animal should have been. Right. Or maybe it was some type of skinwalker that that's always been in the Bridgewater Triangle. And I, I literally did like the hardest double take and I was like, you're you're probably going insane. You should not be getting up this early in the morning. But it was it was physically there. It was it was crazy. You could have seen a fucking werewolf. That's true too. It's <laughs> a dog man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pre all the boxes. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I don't have any personal cryptid experiences. Um my number one of all time, my favorite story that I believe in my heart of hearts uh, would be the lizard man of skateboard swamp. So that one, it's based in South Carolina. There was a, between the seventies and the eighties, a rash of encounters with this seven and a half foot lizard um, that went after cars that drove through skateboard swamp. There were not only um, uh, tangible evidence that was found. So there was scales that was found. There was footprints that, that had castings done. Um, there were a ton of mutilations, both cattle, cat, dog vehicles. Um, ve oh, yeah. It, like I said earlier, um, vehicles themselves got attacked and there were scratch marks and bite bite marks on the vehicles themselves. So I have no idea if, if it was like a elaborate hoax somehow, that one or two people managed in the 10, 12 years that it happened. But in my heart of hearts, I believe that there was a somehow a seven foot lizard man that stood bipedal. So it wasn't like a crocodile that crawled, um, that attacked cars, animals. There were no murders or anything like that, but there were a ton of witnesses that saw this thing. See, that one's like a hard one in the aspect of like, it could be cryptid related because it does seem like it acts very animalistic as far as like attacking cars and stuff. But when you get into the whole like lizard humanoid concept, that almost seems like it could also potentially be like an extraterrestrial story. Absolutely. I think that both of those are like very valid. And I think that if it was an extraterrestrial, that's, that would be terrifying that they sent down something that look like a lizard or the, if that was the type of species that was coming to visit our planet was half, like half lizard, half human, if you will, because it walked bipedally. Right. I think the flip 
we're the prison planet. We just they just, they send off all of our uh, we're like Siberia. They just they just send all the people they don't want to deal with here, and then those yeah. are all of our cryptids. They just look they're they're all the psychopaths that are raging through stuff, and <laughs> we're looking yeah. at them like they're animals, like they're primal animals, but they're just primal aliens destroying shit on a prison planet. <laughs> Outcast, like get off of our planet. We're sending you here. Go have fun. This is like. Uh, Escape from Manhattan with Kurt Russell, except it's the entire U.S. or the entire world. You can live um, with the apes that blow themselves up. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. If that's how we go, that's how we go. Um, I think the flip side to that, just to end, end the spiel on this, the lizard man and to talk about this a little bit, because it's happened so much in human history, is this weird biological um, testing. So I, I believe maybe it was some kind of a rogue scientist who did some testing maybe for stem cells back in the 50s, 60s, whatever it was, and turned himself into a lizard man. That also is an awesome... That that theory, I feel, could fit a lot of different cryptid sightings, especially like the one-off ones where they're like human-like mixed with animals. I honestly feel like if I'm, I'm thinking of it from like the most rational standpoint of how a creature like that could exist, I think that that would be the way to go, is that somebody's either gene splicing and maybe they create it from birth and they're not necessarily transforming into it. Or maybe it's kind of like that, I don't want to say Jurassic Park exactly, but you know how they like later in the later on movies, they start taking like uh, missing parts of the DNA and filling them in with other things. And then it develops to have aspects of that other creature within this creature. Um, it almost seems like, you know, most sci-fi comes from somewhere. So maybe that's something that they've been working on for a long time is how to remove pieces of DNA and add other animals, parts of their DNA into it. And in turn, you take on the characteristics of them. And yeah, that could totally explain like lizard man that could explain, I don't want to say all of them because I think dog man is a multi multiple things all happening that we kind of put under the category of one phenomenon, but you know, that could also throw in the ones where that are seen around like uh, military bases. I've heard a few stories of them wearing like military vests. Um, yeah. Could be the removal of DNA and adding that in, or it's them creating them from birth and raising them up gene splicing two animals together. Because I feel like logically speaking, that would probably be the easiest way to pull that off would be to raise up the embryo all the way up from the time that, you know, of the, the two genes being spliced. I feel like it would be way harder to do it to somebody that's already like a developed person. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, so you think that some dude took like a moth and a human and he was just like, okay, these are the ones that are going together right now, even though like the moth's the most lame, like the lamest animal in the world. <laughs> See, that one is like a hard one though. Cause it goes back into a lot of native American lore and it seems like, you know, they're like the harbingers of doom that there's a lot of, I mean, there's like the Chernobyl blackbird, for example, that kind of fits into that same concept. And uh, I'm brain farting on what the name of it is exactly. But there was something in Native American lore. I think it was Cherokee lore that was like this bird human like thing that was seen right before uh, traumatic events happen. And as far as that one goes, I mean, there could be some humanoid flying type things that were thrown in that were gene spliced but i definitely think there is still like a very mysterious folklore dating back aspect to those but also i guess that being said uh they do say that we're a species of amnesia so maybe those were things that were been around that we gene spliced before you know the great cataclysms happen and humanity had to restart and forgot all the technology they had previously <laughs> Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. I, I do. I do firmly believe that like Mothman and, and those sorts of things are uh, predecessors to something that is tragic that is going to happen. And they come here not to like warn everybody, but 
they're attracted to those type of traumatic events for some reason. So that's why you see them before they happen. That could explain the whole moth concept too, because you know, moths are attracted to light. Think about the negative energy as light and they're just flying into it and running into it. Like, Oh, give me more of that. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, at the end of the show, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there was any words of wisdom that you guys could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Um, so personally, I think that any type of wisdom I can give your listeners is there's never a right time or like a right opportunity um, to like to go forward in your life. So if, if you're feeling hesitant on something and you don't think like it's the right time, but it might be the right move in, in like a year or two, I think you should always just go for it. You'll never feel comfortable. Um, you'll never feel like 100% comfortable going into something. Just know that you got to take that step and just go for it. And I think that things will work themselves out in the future, but there will never be that right time where you feel completely comfortable doing something. I like that one, man. I use that one all the time, actually something close to that, but I definitely live with that one, man. That, uh, even just like podcasting in general, anything like if you're not willing to actually take that step to do it, then you'll never know the, you'll never know the results of it. So you either fail or you'll make it. But if you fail, you can use it as a test to do something better later on. So realistically, you don't lose anything by trying and just going for it. Absolutely. And actually an example for any of your listeners, we were, or me personally, cause, um, we were super hesitant on going to a paranormal convention that was happening, uh, in Connecticut, uh, this past October. Um, and it was for Ed and Lorraine Warren, their, uh, stepson put it on. So like Annabelle was there and stuff. And we didn't know if it was like the right opportunity for a podcast to show up in that kind of venue with a bunch of vendors. And there was a bunch of famous like YouTube stars and stuff, but we decided to just kind of go for it and put ourselves up there. And it turned out to be one of the best experiences we've ever had in our entire lives. Dude, it's super nice. Just in general though, that like podcasting I feel like it's kind of become the butt of the joke in a lot of things where it's almost like being a new SoundCloud rapper. But Mm -hmm. I feel like that's more so referring to like the shows where people just kind of go on and they just like bullshit and there's not really like an end means to it. But as far as like the community of stuff that we're doing where it's like research, we're talking about deep topics, things like that. It's awesome that we're getting to a point where it's like at least that portion of podcasting gets taken seriously. And I mean, even like cryptid events, man, like half the tables are podcast at this point because it's it's nice we're being taken taken seriously now as uh, like actual researchers because we do de- dive pretty deep into different things and yeah it's just it's just a nice change of pace man that at least this this category of podcasting gets taken seriously <laughs> yeah absolutely i think that people jump onto the horror topic and anything like true crime cryptid um just paranormal itself i think people are so attracted to that topic that people know it's gonna not really sell but people are gonna be so interested in it um, and our big thing was we were the only podcast in the entire, like the entire convention. So we were like nervous to actually put ourselves out there, but like it turned out to be the best thing that could ever happen to our show. And then, uh, how about you? Do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share with the uh, listeners? Yeah. Um, my, my number one take, uh, it's, it might sound funny to a lot of people, but if you are thinking about doing Ouija or any kind of a seance or any summoning stuff, and you are not versed in the supernatural, stop do your research (laughs) okay i've heard way too many horror stories about people getting haunted people experiencing really negative things in their lives whether it be bad luck um actually i think ryan he 
something happened, oh, man. what, five, six months ago where he and, and he's versed in the supernatural. He has done this stuff for nine, 10 years. Uh, some bad stuff happened to him and he accepts it. He knows what he's getting into. A lot of these people who just play these, these fun games that they think are jokes, they don't have the knowledge that we have. So if you're thinking about doing it, please stop, do some research, uh, consult with a professional. Just know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, exactly. Know that it can get bad. But the box only says you have to be six to conjure demons. (laughs) (laughs) They have got to change that. (laughs) I don't think you could put an age on there. Oh, God. (laughs) Be a level of understanding that's what that's what should be put under you need at least 10 years of paranormal experience before you use this item <laughs> <laughs> yeah it should be like a gun in any state where you have to oh uh, yeah you gotta have like a background check or absolutely, something 100 <laughs> percent um but my serious advice and i live this way is success starts with self-discipline whether that is just me doing all my other stuff in my life um or whether it's podcasting if you are a podcaster motivation comes and goes you might be motivated to start a podcast if you are not self-disciplined and you don't have the the need to to succeed in whatever you're doing you're not going to make that motivation is going to go away at some point in your life if you are self-disciplined you will succeed i uh really appreciate the words of wisdom today you guys got really deep with them and uh, i always appreciate that at the end of the show and they were both light in the aspect of helping people to go and achieve their dreams, which I always like to leave the show on a high note. So awesome words of wisdom guys. And I appreciate you guys making the time to come on the show today. Yeah. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. We appreciate it, man. We loved it. And uh, for anybody that loved the conversation and wants to come find you guys, uh, where can they come and find you guys at? Uh, so the best place you guys can come and find us, uh, probably going to be Instagram. So you guys can find us at Brown brothers haunting hour. Um, come follow us on Instagram and that's where we post everything, uh, regarding new episodes coming out. We got the link tree in our bio to come find us on anywhere you, where you stream your podcasts. Um, also I know we ended the, no, uh, the show on like a high note for me and Tyler. Our show's not really like that. We like to throw in a little bit of comedy, uh, and our show's a little bit more, I don't know what little raunchy about uh, talking about this kind of stuff, but yeah, this was our professional <laughs> uh, uh, mask. Um, yeah, we we just talk about we not only talk about all the stuff that we talked about tonight, whether it's horror, urban legends, lore, all that stuff. Uh, we talk about our daily lives too. Ryan and I are big into things like WWE. We're big into lifting weights. Um, so we just get into all things that are both him and me, but we obviously focus on the horror genre. I uh, really appreciate you guys making the time to come on today, and I'm really looking forward to having you guys back on. And I'll have to have you on my other show, of course, too. Sounds like a plan. Love to hear it. If you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason, uh, you guys can shoot me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. You can also go to the link tree, and up at the top, there is a submission form that'll go directly to my email. Uh, Just make sure that you guys check your spam and junk folders, because it seems like more often than not, everything seems to... to go there for my emails. I do respond to every email I get. So it's not a matter of if I'll reply, it's a matter of where the hell did the reply go. So uh, keep an eye out for that if you guys have shot me any messages. Uh, Everything that I've mentioned today on the show, all available under the link tree, Uh, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.